John chapter 15. And remember the context here is this is the upper room discourse. It's called the upper room discourse. John chapter 14 was the end of the Passover feast and uh, uh, where Jesus is, is sharing. And then John chapter 15 and 16 are on the way to Gethsemane. So here, as he's sharing this, he's walking with them. Jesus is walking with them and speaking. And then John chapter 17 is just as they're approaching Gethsemane, might be right there on that, which is halfway up the, the, the Mount of Olives, halfway up that hillside from the Temple Mount area or the Upper Room area, the Old City area, to, to Gethsemane is, is a 20-minute walk, 30-minute walk, depending on how you would walk and depending on what, what path you take. You can take an easier walk, so you, you zigzag a little bit down and back up, or you can take a, a, a much harder climb and, and, and do it straight. So it just depends on, on, on which way that they had gone to walk, and we don't quite know. But what I want to focus in on, we are now in John chapter 15, and he's, let's start reading from verse 13. John chapter, chapter 15, reading from verse 13. Greater love has no one than this, than one lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain so that whatever you ask the Father in my name he may give you. This I command you, that you love one another. So last week we looked particularly at these portions about loving one another. But here I want to focus in on this. Jesus said, greater love has no one than this, than one lay down his life for his friends. And that's, of course, what Jesus is about to do. He's about to lay down his life for them. Then he says, you are my friends if you do what I command you. So how do we become friends? How does one become friends? By keeping commandments. By keeping commandments. There is no way around it. If you keep His commandments, if we keep His commandments, we will abide in His love. If we love Him, we will keep His commandments. If we keep His commandments, He calls us His friends. You cannot know the commandments of God without reading the Scriptures. And you cannot focus in on the commandments of God without reading them daily. It is a daily walk of reading the Scriptures. It is daily pulling the Word of God into our lives, saying, Lord, speak to me. Without that, you will be terribly deficient in life. You will be terribly deficient. And that's why Jesus said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. In the same way that you can go one day without food, one day, and you will really feel it. You go three days without food, and you'll really feel it. You'll be particularly weak. It is the same with the Word of God. The, the, the nastiness in our own hearts will begin to come out very quickly without the Word of God being planted in our hearts. He says, You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends for all things that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. It says in Amos chapter 3, verse 7, it says, The Lord does nothing, nothing, without revealing it 
to his servants, the prophets. It's an interesting passage. The Lord reveals everything that he plans to do to his servants, the prophets. But the, the scriptures say three times about Abraham. It talks about Abraham. It, the scriptures speak three times about Abraham, called Abraham the friend of God. The scriptures call Abraham the friend of God. So there's three times. It's twice in the Old Testament, once in the New Testament, in the epistle of James. And James was not one to particularly flatter people. And, and, uh, uh, but three times, the scriptures called Abraham the friend of God. Jesus called Lazarus. He says, Lazarus, our friend. He called Lazarus his friend. Lazarus was this one who he stayed in his home. He didn't stay in Jerusalem. He often stayed in Bethany, which is just, just over the, the top of the Mount of Olives, halfway down the Mount of Olives on the other side. So it's not that far of a walk, maybe about 40 minutes from, from uh, or 30 to 40 minutes from Jerusalem to Bethany. And that's where he used to stay. He stayed with his friend, Lazarus. This is what he talks about. So let's look a little bit about how Jesus, about how God spoke of, of, uh, of Abraham. Turn to Genesis. Turn to Genesis chapter 18. So in Genesis chapter 18, there is a passage here where, where, where uh, uh, Abraham is, is sitting by, by, um, by some, some uh, sitting under a, a tree. And the Lord appears to him. It says in, in uh, Genesis chapter 18, verse 1, Now the Lord appeared to him by the oaks of Mamre while he was sitting at the tent, in the, sitting at the tent door in the heat of the day. And when he lifted up his eyes and he looked, behold, three men were standing opposite him. And when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and he bowed himself to the earth and he said, My Lord, if I found favor in your sight... Please do not pass by your servant. Please let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest here under the tree and I will bring a piece of bread that you may refresh yourselves. After that, you may go on since you have visited your servant. And they said, so do as you have said. Okay, so here it says that there were three men and Abraham immediately recognized them. What this is, this is a physical manifestation in the Old Testament of the presence of God. This is Jesus Christ in the flesh, a physical manifestation. And we know that, and often he's referred to as the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament. Or in here, we see that it's the Lord and two angels are with him. And this comes out even further later on in the passage. But here, the Lord meets him and Abraham recognizes this and he says, come on, just, just, Sit down here and refresh yourself. What does a friend do? Look at the hospitality that is being shown by Abraham. He says, come here, just refresh yourself. Just, just take a rest for a while. And let me just bring you a piece of bread. They say, okay. And then Abraham goes out. He kills a calf. He tells his wife to make fresh bread. He, and he prepares this whole meal for them. So this takes time. You know, by the time you go out and you kill a calf, you've got to skin the calf and everything. And it takes time to cook because they don't have ovens like we do now to just surround it with all this heat right away. And so it takes time. And they do this and they prepare this meal. And that's where this promise comes of, of Sarah bearing Isaac. But why, what I want to skip to is verse 16. It says, Now the men rose from there and looked down towards Sodom, and Abraham was walking with them to send them off. Look at this. Abraham doesn't even just say, Okay, bye. 
He's walking with them some distance. He's sending them off. Look at how hospitality is done. Hospitality isn't just, hey, good to meet you. Hospitality is giving something. Jesus said, if you give one of these little ones a cup of cool water in my name, you will not lose your reward. Somebody comes to visit you, give them something. Give them something to drink. Don't lose your reward. I mean, you miss out when you don't give them something. They come to your room, just give them something. When I was in, in, in the graduate dormitory my first year, so it was, it was my first year of graduate school, I used to have a, a graduate dormitory and I always used to keep chocolates. Guys would come to visit the room, I'd give them something because I didn't want to lose the blessing. There's a blessing by being generous. A blessing by being generous. This is how Abraham treated the Lord. And it says after this, three times in the Bible, that he was God's friend. So in verse 17 it says, The Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do, since Abraham will surely become a great and mighty nation, and in him all the nations of the earth will be blessed? For I have chosen him so that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice so that the Lord may bring upon Abraham what he has spoken about him. So the Lord says, look, there's going to be judgment coming upon Sodom, upon this town. And he says, he says, I can't do this without telling my friend Abraham. Here you see friends deal with other friends, they tell them things. The Lord does nothing without revealing it to His servants, the prophets. There is a friendship that takes place. We see a friendship between God and Abraham. This is what I want to key in on today. The the friendship. Jesus said, you are my friends if you do what I command you. You are my friends if you do what I command you. And what I want to talk about is I want to talk about friendship. I just want to speak about tell you about my friend named Jesus, what he's done in my life. And I, you know, I was just wrestling with this passage and and I thought, Lord, you're my friend. Can you imagine? Imagine this. Imagine taking breakfast with somebody. So I know, I know guys that meet together for breakfast every week. They go to to the IHOP here on uh, 59 and they meet together every Saturday for breakfast. And it's one man discipling another man and, and teaching him the word of God over breakfast. And so they're building a close friendship in doing that. Can you imagine taking breakfast with someone every day for 37 years? Every day. How well would you know that person? How close would be your friendship? This is what I have with my friend Jesus. For 37 years I've risen every morning and given my heart to Him. And the Scripture says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then in John chapter 1, verse 14, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. I take my Bible in my hand, and I say, Lord, speak to me. And He speaks to me. And I speak back to Him, and I pray to Him, and I worship Him, and I thank Him, and I look at the Scripture and say, Lord, this is amazing. Look what you've done. My friend is like this. It's like having this, this diamond. And you just turn it around. So for decades, I've walked with him. And every new side is just new facets to him that you never realized at some point in your life. And then all of a sudden, there's this new facet. Or this is the same facet, and all of a sudden, you look at it, and there's new light coming through this. This is what it's like to know him. You walk with him decades. When I gave my heart to the Lord, I was all alone in my room. The Navigators Campus Ministry had shared the the bridge illustration with me, the gospel with me. 
And and uh, um, I was all alone in my room on November 7th, 1977. I was 18 years old. I was a freshman in college. It was my freshman year. And I got down on my knees and I said, Lord, forgive me because I'm a sinner. Forgive me and come into my heart. And what the young man had shared with me, when he shared with me the scriptures, the bridge illustration, he had me read a verse that says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And I said to him, I've not sinned. I'm not a sinner. And he looked at me this strange way. In modern secular Judaism, we don't dwell on sin. You can go to the synagogue once a year and the rabbi deals with that. And then we have to worry about it. It's a very simple system. And... and uh, um, Then he had me read a verse out of Matthew where Jesus said, if you look upon a woman to lust after her, you've committed adultery with her already in your heart. And I was immediately convicted. And I just, it was as if I'd just gotten punched right in the chest. Because I was 18 years old and addicted to pornography. There was no internet in those days, but from the age of 14, I started working in a gas station just outside of New York City. And, and uh, uh, the, on the highway, and the businessmen would throw away their magazines on their way home from work. On Friday nights, way home from from traveling on Friday nights, and I would pick up these magazines. And by 18, I was well addicted. And when he shared that verse with me, it really hit me. And when I was alone in my room, and I said, "Lord, forgive me, because I'm a sinner," and I knew what was in my heart, and I thought nobody else knew, but these words of this man from 2,000 years ago really hit me. And when I said, Lord, forgive me because I'm a sinner, there was this amazing forgiveness that seemed to flow right down upon me. And then all of a sudden, someone was standing in my room. And I looked to see who this was. And I couldn't see anybody, but it was Jesus. And His presence was so overwhelming, I just started weeping. I wasn't scared. It was just a wonderful presence. That was the first time Jesus visited me. And I just enjoyed His presence. It was so good. It was so good. And His forgiveness just showered upon me. The amazing thing is, I was addicted to pornography. That day, it was broken. Never had another urge for pornography. Threw it away after that. And if you've ever struggled with pornography, you know how that can get a hold of a heart. And you go ahead and take that into marriage, it will tear apart your marriage. So you better get this thing dealt with. Come to me. I will share with you. I will pray with you. We will work this through together. But there is deliverance in God because salvation is not a sham. There is deliverance in this. He forgave me on that day. And I started to take the Scriptures shortly after that and to every day read the Scriptures and make them a part of my life. This man, Jesus, who entered my room that day changed my life. And I have never been the same. For two weeks, I never told anybody because I didn't know what to do as a Jewish kid from New York City. And this young man who shared with me, he said, have you accepted Jesus in your heart? I said, I think I have. Why do you ask? He said, because you haven't stopped smiling for weeks. Something happened to me on that day. And I started to build a fellowship with this Jesus. And he became my friend. For 37 years, we have taken breakfast together the first thing that I do in the morning is I get together with Him. Aren't you busy? Of course I'm busy. So I wake up extra early so I can spend time with Him. And then I was, a few years later, I was really impressed by Daniel. Daniel would spend three times a day praying and I thought, I only do this in the mornings. So I would break around noontime and go into the chapel on campus and pray. 
This is a practice I've kept to this day. And then I read the scriptures again in the evening and spend some time in prayer. I wanted to be like Daniel. Three times with the Lord. The scriptures put it two ways. It says daily meditation or it says meditation day and night. This is the way the scriptures put it. I wanted to be with this friend. And if I'm traveling or something and I miss a time there in the chapel with the Lord, he's there. I may not show up, but my friend is there. Because he's my friend. There's a friendship. There's a closeness that comes. Jesus said, you keep my commandments, obey my commandments, I will be your friend. You know, as I grow older, he doesn't change. He gets better. I get older. You know, know, my body's not the same as it used to be. But he doesn't change. He's always the same. My friend is always the same. He has been there in so many places in my life. I remember when my first child was born. I remember when Umbreen was born and and, uh, uh, Shireen had had this rough delivery and they took Umbreen and they put her under these warm lights and they're, you know, doing things on her. And I remember I reached out my finger and I put it right in her little hand and she right away grasped my finger. And I thought, Lord, you are with me. Look at what you have done. The Lord was with me when my child was born and I prayed for her. Lord, use her and send her anywhere that you have for her. He was with me. I can remember the birth of all my four children and how the first thing I did is I committed them to my friend Jesus. He was with me in each of those experiences. When my children have gone through pain in life, He has been there with me. Things I couldn't understand what they were going through. He was there with me. You know, you take a, you take a parent of a newborn Why do they love this baby so much? Why? Has the baby done anything to earn their love? Nothing. Nothing. But you just love them because that's your child. I mean, this is what it is with him. This is the way it is with Jesus. He just loves us. There's nothing in us that warrants this love, but he loves us anyway. You know, when I do something to disappoint the Lord, which is often, I never feel condemned. I never feel that he's against me. But it hurts me to disappoint this one who loves me so much. It disappoints me. It hurts me to disappoint him. That's what it is. It's not this condemnation. Even when there's been just failures in my life to walk through in in, in what I knew what was good to do, what was right to do. You walk with Jesus and you don't feel this condemnation. It is like this friend just reaching out, this embracing and saying, okay, let's get better. What can I do? Let's just fill, fill your heart with my presence and that'll be a great start. And just, just this friendship. I remember when I was, when I was uh, uh, an undergraduate, I started this practice of praying for my exams. I don't know, I guess even atheists pray when there's exam time. But I started this regular practice. Lord, help me. Lord, give me clarity. Give me eyes to see. Lord, as I study, help me to study. Give me the hands of a ready writer. Give me what I need. When I came to the Lord as a freshman, I was struggling in freshman chemistry. And I know all of you are so smart and off scale. That wasn't me. And, And I was the runt of the litter in my family. My sister was just 
got, that's back when SATs were out of 800. I don't know what they are right now. I know it's changed. But she would get 800 in every subject area. Everything. My sister was just amazing. Everything. She was good in everything. In art, in, in, in anything she put her hand to. Science, good at everything. Except riding a bicycle. Except anything athletic. She wasn't good at that at all. <laughs> then there was my brother who was good in everything without working. You know, one of these guys that could just you know, spend 15 minutes before a test and he, he was fine. Then there was me. I mean, I would, I would try and I still wasn't any good. When I got to college, I got dropped into uh, uh, um, honors, or get, honors chemistry, honors freshman chemistry, because I was a chemistry major. And this this so-called advisor said, oh, you're a chemistry major? Why don't you go into honors? I needed to be in with the masses. That's what I needed to be in, with like the remedial masses. And here I was dropped into honors chemistry, and it was as, as if these people had been studying chemistry since they were in kindergarten. They knew so much. I didn't know any of this. And I was struggling with freshman chemistry. I came to the Lord on November 7, 1977. I started to pray over my work. I ended up with a B-plus that semester in chemistry. I never got less than an A the rest of my graduate career. I was usually number one in the class, in every chemistry class, every chemistry. I took every, or every graduate course that I could take as an undergraduate, and I got number one in the class in every one of those, too. This was God. I started to pray and to seek God, and things changed in my life. You say, oh, come on, you were always very smart. When, when there are people that I meet from, from when I was a kid growing up, and we went to school together because I stayed in the same school district my whole life. They're like, how, how did this happen? I mean, this is, this, is, this is not the gym tour that we know. What, what's going on here? When did this happen? This was my life. But I learned to pray and to really seek God. When I would write proposals as a professor, to this day, I will take copies of papers and proposals, bring them to the chapel at noontime, fall on my knees and pray over this. Lord, bless this work, I pray. As I'm, as I'm setting out to write, so I'd say, Lord, bless the work of my hands. Bless the work of my hands as I write this proposal. Lord, work in my life. There is a closeness and a relationship that can come. Jesus said, I call you friends. I call you friends because I'll tell you what's going on. Keep my commandments. I'll call you friends. So there was a closeness that was built there. And, and uh, I, can, I can remember... Um, that when I was a postdoc, I was at Stanford and I was surrounded by people that were so smart and we were all competing for the same jobs. We were all interviewing for, for academic positions. And so we were all organic chemists and many of us were interviewing for academic positions. And the guys in the lab made a joke. They said, wow, uh, um, Jim will never get a job because this person, this person, this person are looking for jobs at the same time. And, you know, he was right. He was right. So we'd all go out interviewing and we knew where, who was interviewing where because, you know, one night they'd be there and then I'd see them in the hotel and the next night I'd be there. We'd be flying into different cities. We, we, we'd be keeping contact with each other and, uh, uh, because we came from the same lab. It's not that we had Facebook or smartphones. We had dumb phones. We'd, nothing you carry. They were on the wall with a string, a, a wire attached. It wasn't a string in two cans, but it was a... <laughs> and... and uh, and then I got the offer. At every place I interviewed, I got the offer before all of them. You know, what's going on here? And, 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 uh, and I know that because I would get the offer and then 
I started turning them down and as soon as I'd hang up on the phone, the phone in the lab would ring again and they'd give the offer to the next guy. God really blessed. I remember going into the, into the, the gardens at, at, at uh, there was a cactus garden at Stanford University because I couldn't go to the chapel because the, the chapel at Stanford is so beautiful. It's like 10 times larger or 20 times larger than the one at Rice. And it's so beautiful. It's a tourist attraction. So there's people coming. It's just, just too busy during the day. So I used to go out into the cactus gardens and I used to pray, Lord, I pray that I get a job. I pray that you get me an academic position. I want to be a professor. And boom, I mean, God just opened doors. This was my friend. It's a relationship. All these years I've walked with him, the same one who was in my room on November 7, 1977, is the one to whom I, I met with this morning. Just, just this fellowship, this friendship that comes. Jesus said, you can be my friend. I'll tell you, so few Christians understand this. So few of them will grab this relationship. Take it. Take it. It is there. It is there. I, I can remember so many times he surprised me through the Word of God. I'm praying about something and then I go to read my passage and, and I read from Genesis to Revelation. When I'm done, I start again. I just read where I left off the day before and it's just like, boom. He speaks to me. He gives me light from His Word. I said, Lord, this is exactly what I needed. This is exactly what I needed today. You are so good. You know, I prayed for finances. I had, I had four little kids. I was just had a... A young professor's salary, and God was blessing so much, and He blessed. And I remember driving down the road, and I had this old car, and uh, um, it would break down all the time. And I was driving back from a chemical conference, and I, and and I was on the highway, and the transmission locked up. That means the wheels locked on the highway, and I just was able to get over to the side, just with it, just as it's sliding to a stop, and there were no cars around me. I mean. I remember another time I was driving down the road in, in uh, driving from, from Syracuse to Cornell, Syracuse University to Cornell University, right around in there, and the roads were icy, and there were cars all around me on the highway, and the car just turned sideways. I had hit this patch of it, and I was going sideways, and I remember, because I always remembered what the Word of God says. It says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. Those who run into it will be safe. And the Lord was going sideways, and these cars were coming at me, and I said, Jesus, help me! Boom! The car just totally straight. I pulled off the next exit. I got out of the car in the snow on my knees. I said, thank you, Jesus. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. Those who run into it shall be safe. This is my friend who took me out of those situations and helped me. Um, I remember on my marriage day, I was in the, in the back behind the stage, just falling on my knees, just praying, Lord, I give this marriage to you. I had no idea the treasure of a wife that I was about to marry. We knew each other, but we didn't know each other that well. I had no idea she had all these talents. I had no idea that, that now, 33 years later, I would love her so much that I love to be with my wife. She's just fun to be with. And how, you know, whatever, I try to speak to her seriously and she's just cracking jokes all the time. Can, can we have a serious conversation? And then she bursts out laughing. I said, look me in the eye. Let's have a serious conversation. And she can't do it. She just bursts out laughing. And I, Forget it. I mean, <laughs> there's so much fun to go through life with a person like this. I can remember praying, praying hours and hours, Lord, bring the right person in my life. Bring the right person. And look what the Lord did. Look what the Lord did. I mean, he's been so good to me. 
I can remember the hardest experiences in my life. Once was when my, my, one of my children was going through something. Something had happened to one of my children. Another time is in one of the companies, the first company that, that I had started. Just very difficult times with, with some issues that came up. And I can remember the Lord specifically giving me verses. I would come to Him in the morning, to my friend in the morning, and He would just fill me and He'd help me. I remember, I remember uh, when I first started my career, I knew I had to get some quick publication, put my name on the map, get something out. And, and uh, here I was a father. I had two small, two girls at the time. And Shireen was coming into, she was coming downtown to go to the circus. The circus was at the, at the they would rent facilities from the university. The Ringling Brothers Circus would come into town once a year. We were going to take the girls. And, and I was just starting out my career. I just set up this instrument and I was just running this first few reactions, trying to get something working. And I set up this reaction and I had to leave the lab because I had, it was a Saturday. I had to go meet my wife at the circus with the kids. We went to the circus. And my mind was just on this reaction. We were at the circus and, and after the, the, the circus was over, she took the girls back home and I ran back up to the lab. And I checked the reaction and there it was. I mean, I knew it. It had worked. I knew that, that within a matter of weeks we'd be able to bang out a publication, that this would be the first one. And I call that the circus reaction. That was the, my first one. I said, Lord, thank you. I prayed that this would happen, and it happened. This is so important in a young career that, that you get this start, and that's what the Lord did. He just dropped this right on me. I mean, so gracious to me. I remember being overseas. I was in uh, Saudi Arabia, and I, was, uh, I went to immigration, and they do a background search on everybody coming in, and they saw that I was a Jew. And the guy just started shouting at me, saying, Yehudi, Yehudi which means Jew, Jew, and everybody's looking. <laughs> and then you know, he, he takes my, my boarding pass. He says, where's your boarding pass? I said, it's in the passport there. He says, it's not here. I said, well, you went in the back room and you took it out and then you come back here and you tell me where's your boarding pass. Is this a game we're going to play? Now I've learned you don't say stuff like this to these immigration folks. And, and here I was stuck. But the Lord just came through and graciously delivered me. You know, I just waited for a shift change, and then I, I said, Lord, who's the sweetest looking guy here? I'm going to go in and went in that line. He was just, you know, and I got through, just, in, just delivered me. Situation after situation, his graciousness. I can remember crying out to him for Bible studies, to teach Bible studies. The Word of God, remember that the kingdom of God does not consist of words, the scriptures say, it consists of power. If all we do is come up here and parrot a bunch of words from the scriptures, that's nothing, no life. The thing is, we pray, we spend time in prayer, Lord, get a hold of my heart and hit the hearts with the power of the Holy Spirit. So many times, so many times, it's not just the preparation, it's Lord, get hold of my heart, speak to me through this passage so that I have something to give to your people. And I started doing this as an undergraduate. I started teaching Bible studies there in the chemistry department. Then I taught Bible studies in the chemistry department at, at Purdue University, when it, where, where I did my PhD, and then at the University of Wisconsin, and then at Stanford University. I was teaching Bible studies constantly. The same thing, the same prayers. Lord, fill me for this. Lord, speak to me. This is what the friends do. This is what happens. Now, as I look back over decades walking with God, there's a friendship that is built. I understand Him. He understands me. And he speaks to me. He speaks to me in my humanity and my failures. I mean, you say, oh, come on, you don't, you don't have failures. I have these tremendous failures. So I'll give you an example this week. I mean, I'm, I'm this, this, just so anal about, about safety. I just 
don't want anyone in the lab to get hurt. So if they're not wearing their lab coat, if they're not wearing their safety glasses, I just charge them $50. You know, see them without safety glasses. $50 without safety glasses. Go pay. And then, and then lab coat. Without your lab coat, there's another $50. $100, just like that. Boom, I'm a, I'm a graduate student. I mean, I'm just so intense about safety. And I saw these students that have just, they're not my students, they're in another student, and it was more of a, a centralized lab. And I came in there, and they were all without safety glasses. I'm like, and I just lost my temper, and I could just feel that the heat just rising up. And I'm thinking, what am I doing? I care so much about their eyes that I don't care about them as individuals. And this in my humanity, and the Lord reminded me, mercy, mercy. The scriptures say mercy triumphs over judgment. And, and uh, uh, But in my humanity, I go and I walk with the Lord. This whole passage where he says, you will be my friends if you keep my commandments. And then what I'm going to do, he says in John, he says, I'm going to reveal things to you. Just like my father reveals things to me, I'm going to reveal things to you. That's what happens in a relationship with a friend. And this friend never changes. He never grows old. I see new things about him, but he's always the same. He's right there. And Lord, you just never change. I just keep getting older. You just never change. You're always good. You're always gracious. You always welcome me there. Take this passage. Say, he says in John chapter 15, you will be my friends if you do what I command you. Become a friend of God. Become a friend of His. This starts by accepting Him in your heart. Without His coming in, it cannot be. And this is how you do it. You say, Lord God, forgive me because I'm a sinner and come into my life. Forgive me because I'm a sinner. Come into my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And He comes in. Let Him take up residence and then the Word of God will start to come alive to you. You get with the Word of God and you say, Lord, speak to me. This has got to be more than just words. Speak to me. And He'll begin to speak to you. And He'll give you life. Let's pray. Abba, Father, Thank you so much for the friendship that we can have in Jesus. For the friendship in Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for providing yourself as a friend to us. Lord, I pray for these young people that you would cause them to seek your face daily, decade after decade, that they would have breakfast with you, that they would start their day with you, And Lord, that they would see what I have seen. How beautiful you are. And that you would, that that they would just grow and see day by day that the Lord is gracious and kind and he is always the same. And he never brings condemnation upon his children. Lord, I pray that they would know you like I have known you. And Lord, I pray for those here who have not accepted you. May their hearts be open so that they could, they too could know this friendship with the living God. Father, have mercy on them, I pray. Have mercy on these young people. May their lives be dedicated to you so they could see just the richness of your working in their lives and so that one day they'd be able to reflect back about all the gracious things that you have done with them. In the name of Jesus. Amen.